0: Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. For the last couple of episodes, we have been talking about Talk to Me, a fabulous little horror movie, and we've looked at it from every different angle, right? We've looked at the first 10 pages. We've looked at mirrors and foils. We've looked at the genre elements. We've looked at world building. We've looked at theme. We've looked at character's journey and structure, right? We've dissected it and pulled it apart and analyzed it. And hopefully develop some really awesome skills that you can apply whether you're writing a horror movie or anything else. But what we haven't talked about, it occurred to me, is actually the most palpable form of horror for most screenwriters, which has nothing to do with horror genre movies. And has a lot more to do with writer's block, with procrastination, with being stuck. So that's what we are going to talk about today. Now, there are actually two different forms of writer's block. And if you have the first kind, you probably know it. But if you have the second kind, there's a good chance that you don't. And there's a good chance that it's having an even more damaging effect on your writing than the first kind would. And and let me talk about why. So the first kind of writer's block is obvious. You know you have it because you're not writing. Or you're procrastinating, right? Or you're stuck waiting for the muse, right? You feel like you have no control over your own art or your own life. You can only write when you are inspired and sometimes months, years go by, decades go by without that inspiration, and you don't know how to get yourself writing. Or you find yourself procrastinating, right? Pushing it off, 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 off, and then rushing, 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 rushing to get it done and never really having the time you need to, to do something beautiful. The good news about this form of writer's block is if you have it, you know it. Not only that, if you have it, you know it, and it is probably causing you pain. Now, for some writers, it causes so much pain that they quit. But for a lot of writers, right, that pain eventually forces them to seek help, right? And and the good news is you don't have to suffer with writer's block. In my Write Your Screenplay class, we get an entire class full of people, sometimes people who have been blocked for 20 years, right? We get an entire class past writer's block in one session. And I've yet to have a single writer that I worked with where these skills did not work. So the good news is there are really simple cognitive behavioral skills that you can apply to writer's block, that you can apply to procrastination, if you have the first kind, that will break you through it nearly instantly with actually very little effort. Um, So the good news is if you have the first kind, well, take care of it, right? You don't have to live with this. You don't have to be dependent upon the muse to come to you. And you certainly can be in control of your own dream. And we're going to talk about some of the strategies that you can start to use with that form of block today. But really where we're going to focus today is on the second, more insidious form of writer's block. And this form of writer's block is so much more dangerous because most of the writers who have it don't know they have it. In fact, the way that people with the second form of writer's block tend to diagnose their writer's block is to say, oh, I'm just not very talented. I'm Just not very good. This is actually the most damaging form of writer's block. Flat, uninspired writing. And, and it's so damaging because a writer with this form of writer's block who doesn't have the first kind, might might write 15 screenplays. Might be writing four or five times a week on a consistent basis. Might be putting hundreds of hours into their writing and still not be ending up with a product that they can sell. Even worse, might not even be ending up with a product that they feel proud of. And the effect of that very rarely is to go, oh, Oh, I get it. I've got a block I've got to get past. Because unlike the I'm not writing form of writer's block, this form of writer's block is like an invisible block, right? Where what's actually happening is that we can't get our voice onto the page. So what we're going to be talking about today is how do you get past that invisible block in order to get your authentic voice onto the page. So if you have either form of writer's block, the I'm not writing form or the flat writing form, either way, the problem actually comes down to one word. It comes down to the word doubt. If you are suffering from either form of writer's block, somewhere inside of you there is a doubt. It might be a doubt that you're consciously aware of. It might be a doubt that exists on the subconscious side of things that you're not even consciously aware of. But somewhere there is doubt. There is doubt in your ability. There's doubt in your skill. There's doubt in your craft. There's doubt in your knowledge. There's doubt in your ability to succeed, there is doubt in your uh, your value. There is doubt in your worthiness, right? Somewhere there is maybe there's doubt in your ability to stick to something or to complete something. Right? Somewhere there is doubt. Where there is writer's block, there is doubt. So the first step, if you want to get past either form of writer's block, is just to get really curious about where your doubt is. Where does it reside, right? Um, And a lot of people's doubt was actually put in place by very well-meaning people, right? So, So you have to get really curious about like what stone you're gonna look under, right? So some people had a lot of trauma and abuse in their life, right, they had somebody going like, you're not good enough all the time right? And and honestly, for those people, it's much easier to figure out where the hell doubt came from, right? Well, it came from that voice, right? And so we just have to deal with that voice in order to get past the doubt. But for a lot of other people, that voice was actually put in place by a well-intended person, often a teacher or a parent who really loved you and believed in you. And, And this is a concept that I call the talent trap, right? Somewhere along the way in your life, there's a really good chance that somebody said to you, oh my goodness, you have so much talent. You are so gifted. You are such a beautiful writer. You're such a beautiful artist. You see things in a way nobody else sees them. You are so gifted, right? They put this label on you, right? And that was a well-intentioned thing. That was a beautiful thing for them to do. But for a lot of people, it actually ends up creating a problem, right? Because now, rather than just expressing our authentic voice, right? Hey, this is me. I'm Jake. This is how I talk. This is what I believe. This is what I just heard in my head. This is the image I just saw. Instead of that, we're trying to express the talented voice, right? We're trying to live up to this other person's belief about us. And as we try to live up to that belief we actually lose our authenticity because instead of going, well, what would Jake say? We start to go, well, what would a talented writer say? What would a good line be? What would a good image be? No, what would a great image be, right? What would Martin Scorsese do, right? What would Charlie Kaufman do, right? We're starting to ask ourselves, like, what would somebody truly great do? As opposed to going, like, what would I do? What do I see, right? So the opposite of doubt is trust. So on the one level, we have our trust, right? Trust in our voice, trust in our instincts, trust in our intuition. Trust that if we don't have the craft, we're going to go out and develop it. Trust that if we don't know something, we're going to go out and learn it. Trust that if we start something that matters to us, we are going to finish it. Trust that if an obstacle occurs, we can navigate it, right? And you all, every single one of you, I don't care how many things you have failed at in your life, you have things that your trust is well-placed, right, where you actually succeeded. Maybe it's something simple. I trust that if a video game console is in front of me, I am going to play that video game, and eventually I'm going to get really good at it, right? It, it might not be something that our society goes, oh, you are amazing, but our society thinks a lot of things are amazing that are terrible. So what I'm asking you to do for a moment is to contemplate the idea that maybe there are some level at which you already trust yourself. And I want you to get in touch with that. What does it feel like to trust yourself? What would it take for you to bring that feeling of trust into your writing? What would it take for you to trust yourself with your writing like you trust yourself to play a video game or to make the bed or to chew your food before swallowing it, right? Or to walk down the street without thinking. Like, what would it take for you to bring that level of trust? Maybe you have a a place where you're excellent. Maybe you're excellent at work. Maybe you're an excellent parent. Maybe you're an excellent chef, right? What would it take for you to bring that same level of trust into your writing? And you'll probably realize that there are a couple of different things that it would take, right? Right. Number one, do you have to find a place to put your doubt? Number two, you probably need some skills, right? Um, if you're a great chef, you didn't probably come out of the womb as a great chef. You probably learned some things and found a way to get confident at it. So there are probably some skills you need to develop, right? And number three, right? There's like an emotional state that comes with trust that we need to find ways to bring ourselves into. And trust, by the way, doesn't mean things come out well all the time, right? There's probably somebody in your life that you trust. And it's probably not true that sometimes that person doesn't mess up. They're a human being. They probably mess up too. But you trust them. You trust them that even if they mess up, it's going to get figured out that their intentions are gonna be good, right? So if we're gonna succeed as writers, we have to cultivate this feeling of trust, right? If you're not writing, we need to learn how to not write even when we don't have trust, right? Trust is something that gets cultivated, right? You meet somebody brand new at a bar, you don't instantly go, oh my God, I trust you with my life. No, you go, well, you're some random person I met at a bar, right? The same thing is true in your writing. You're sitting down to do this for the first time. Maybe you've never done it successfully. Trust is going to be something that develops over time, right? It might not be there at the very beginning. So it's okay if you don't have trust yet. The concept is we want to go, hey, there's something in me that already knows how to trust. How do I bring that into my writing? How do I bring more trust in myself? Now, having that kind of trust in yourself also means letting go of a lot of the voices and a lot of the ego that goes along with being a writer. Anytime you're working on a project, you can actually think you're serving three different gods every time you sit down to write. The first god you are serving is you're serving the project, right? What does this thing want to be? What is this thing that I am making? You're serving the project. If you bring your mind back to serving the project, serving the project, serving the project, everything gets easier. But unfortunately, we're human beings, right? And so there are other elements that we try to serve as well, right? We try to serve our career, right? And this gets a lot harder, right? Right? So now we're not just trying to write a project and make ourselves the servant of making that project what it wants to be, making it as beautiful as we can make it, making it as true as we can make it. We're not just serving that. We're also serving, how is it going to serve me? Is this going to get me where I want to go? Am I going to be able to sell this? Are people going to like it, right? And suddenly we have all the voices in our head, right? that we're going to have to please in order to have that career. And you can see, whoa, suddenly it became harder to find your voice, right? There are all these people looking at you, not real people, your worst projections of who those people might be. People going, no, it's not good enough. Why would you do that? Oh, you're not very good, right? Oh, this is not commercial, right? We start to have all these fears that come up right? All these doubts that come up. Is it actually commercial? Will anybody else like it? Does it matter to anybody but me? And you can see if your mind is there, your mind can't be here with the project. Your mind can't be in two places at the same time. Not your focus, right? So if you're thinking about what does it need to do commercially, it's so hard just to be focused on what is it? What is it puts you in a place of creativity, of exploration, How is it going to serve me? Is it going to be commercial? Are people going to like it? Puts you in a place of performance. Performing for others, exploring what it is. Now, I'm a screenwriting teacher. And I've been fortunate enough to have a career as a screenwriter and as a producer. Incredibly lucky. I would not be doing my job if I didn't teach you how to make your stuff commercial, whatever that means for you, right? If you're writing a little tiny million-dollar independent movie or $10,000 independent movie, well, that's a different form of commercial, right? That's how do I make this resonate for that for a small audience? If you're writing a $300 million action movie, how do you make it commercial for a big audience, right? There is a time for that. But the time for that is when you already know what it is. Once you know what something is, it's easier to get creative about, okay, well, how do I put this in the right clothes, in the right package, in the right shape, so that other people can see the beauty of what it is. But before you know what it is, if you start performing for people before you know what it is, You're never going to know what it is. And that's why you're going to have so much doubt. Instead of going, I wonder what it is, curiosity, you're going, I don't know what it is, here's what it is, right? You're trying to perform for a bunch of invisible people who don't even exist yet, for most of you, rather than just getting curious, what is it? So we have the project that we're serving, that's what we want to be serving. Then we have the commercial goals that we're probably serving too early. And then the third thing that we have serving is even more damaging than the commercial goals, which is our vision of ourselves as an artist, right? Our ego, our identity, right? And suddenly, we can't just go, huh, look at that, I wonder what it is. Instead, we're going, can I sell it? And am I an artist? right? Am I worthy? Am I good enough? Does my life have meaning? Can I do the thing that I was set out to do? As soon as the identity part gets in, right? As soon as we get into the talent trap, now we have to battle against our fears, right? And and those fears take different forms for different people, but they're all the same thing. Some people have a conception of themselves as not very good. Maybe your conception of yourself. Maybe you've been through some trauma. People have said some bad things to you. You've had some bad experience. You've failed in some profound ways, right? And so some of us have a belief that we're not very good, right? And so now instead of just going to go, huh, look at that. I wonder what that is. Huh, so interesting. I want to look at that more closely. I want to explore that. I wonder what tools I need to figure this out. Oh, I'm so curious. Oh, I'm so interested. We're going... Well, I'm not very good. What chance do I have of making this beautiful, making this commercial? What chance do I have, right? And our ability to be creative gets compromised by our pre existing, predetermined belief about ourselves. In other words, doing this now gets in the way of our identity of being a crappy person. In fact, if we did it successfully, we would have to change our entire view of ourselves. And the ego is a very strange thing, right? Not just for artists, for all people. Once the ego attaches to something, it doesn't want to let go of it, even if it's negative. Now, by the way, if you think you're great, you probably have the exact same problem. I can tell you this. I went through this personally, right? I won a major award for my first produced movie. I won the W.J. Paul Selvin Award. The movie was nominated for Emmys. Sucker Channing won her first Emmy, right? We were nominated for a Gemini for Best Screenwriter. It was, it was, whoa. Suddenly I got all this validation from the universe, right? The universe said, you are freaking great. And it was probably, for me, the most damaging thing that happened in my career because I didn't get great by trying to be great. I got great by going, ha, I wonder what this is. I'm so curious. I wonder what this wants to be, right? I got great by... Following my intuition and allowing the process to happen, allowing it to be bad before it got good, right? I got great by being creative, but now suddenly I needed to be great. Not only that, I wanted to capitalize on this opportunity, right? Here was an opportunity to launch my career to the next level, right? So I have the commercial thing going on, like, can I sell it? Can I sell it? And then I have the, what if I'm not great anymore? What if the next piece isn't as good as Matthew Shepard? What if I can never live up to that level of greatness again? What if I'm not as great as they think I am? What if I got lucky? What if I can't access that again? Right? Do you see all the doubts? So what I'd like to suggest to you is that the doubt comes from trying to make the project work for you and trying to live up to whatever your belief about yourself is, whether it's great or terrible or somewhere in between, we're always serving three gods. The project, the commercial, and the identity. What I'd like to suggest to you is that if you want to get past your writer's block, the first step is to go, these guys are for later. Can I sell it comes after what is it. If you don't look at it and go, what are you? Your chances of having anything real to sell are very slim, right? And now suddenly you're a smoke and mirrors, right? Snake oil salesman trying to convince something you don't even know what it is, what it really is. Trying to convince somebody else to buy it. Because you're not thinking about the project. You're thinking about what it's going to do for you right now, if that was a relationship with another human being, you'd be like, what an awful person, right? Like if, if, if you had a child and you were like, well, what are you going to do for me? Right. If you had a friend and you're like, what are you going to do for me? Right. If you had a boss, you're like, what are you going to do for me? Right. If that's your approach to life, um, you're probably not a very good parent, friend or employee, right? The way you really want to interact with people is like, what are you, right? How can I help you? How can I add to you? How can I grow you? How can we grow together, right? What you you want in your relationships is partnerships, but you can't have a partnership if you're only trying to climb over that person to get to the next place, right? The same is true with your script. If you are only thinking about what does the script do for me? Can I sell it? Can I sell it? Can I sell it? As opposed to, what are you? I'm so curious. It is almost impossible to get past pastured out. And you're going to be a much worse writer because you're going to be performing for other people and unless you're already successful, you're probably performing for people who don't even exist. You're performing for the projections of the most insecure part of you. Similarly, If you're trying to be a writer, stop. If you're trying to be a great writer, stop. Even if you're trying to be a better writer, stop. Those things are all identity, right? That's just ego. And when you get connected to the identity of being a writer, what ends up happening is you're now performing for yourself. Instead of going, I'm so curious, what are you? You're going, was I good today? Was I as good as yesterday? If I'm not as good as yesterday, does my life have meaning? What if I'm not a great writer? What if this project comes out bad? Well, now it's not just, oh, I didn't figure out what you were yet. I didn't figure out what was beautiful about you yet. now you're like, if it comes out bad, I have to confront the fact that maybe I'm not a writer, right? I have to confront the complete destruction of my identity. And if I actually am a person who's born to be a writer, which I'm guessing you are if you're listening to this podcast, if I actually am a person who is born to do this, the idea that maybe I'm not good enough is terrifying. Right. So, so no wonder you have doubts. No wonder you keep on rewriting it even after it's done. No wonder you're not sending it out to other people. or No wonder you're blocked and not writing it at all. Or no wonder you're flat right, and not putting your authentic self out there. Taking big risks, being honest, following your voice, doing the radical disruptive thing. No wonder you're not doing that. Because then at least... If it's a rejection of the script, it's not a rejection of your identity as a writer. Right? Well, you know, I never really got my voice on the page. Uh, Yeah, no, it it wasn't really like I didn't put my whole self into it. Right? So if you're trying to be a writer, stop. Instead, be a person who practices writing. Make writing a practice, not an identity and this is true for literally anything, don't be a parent because now you're judging yourself. If you mess up with your kid, you're like, I'm I'm a parent, right? No, don't be, be a person who practices parenting, right? Don't be a jogger. Be a person who practices jogging, right? Put your focus on your action because if you're doing the action, you cannot have doubt. Are you doing the action? Are you looking at it and going, I'm curious, what are you? What do you want to be? How can I help you become what you want to be, right? If you put your focus on serving the project, everything else grows organically out of there. The terrifying thing about identities is identities can change. You can win an award one day and write a bad script the next. And if you're looking at those things to tell you who you are, writing becomes terrifying. And you don't want to put yourself back out there for fear of letting it all crumble. If you're thinking only, what can it do for me? Well, you're probably not having any fun writing it. Just like in a relationship, if you're only thinking, what what can this person do for me? You're probably not having any fun. You're not learning anything about them. You're not actually having a collaboration. And it not only makes it a lot less likely that they're actually going to help you, it also takes away from your present experience. Whereas if you just go, I am a person who does the practice of writing. I look at this thing, I get it out of my head, and I look at it carefully and I go, what are you? I'm so curious. How do I help you grow into what you want to be? How do I discover this? What do I need to learn in order to discover this? What are the skills I don't have that I want to learn? What's the confidence I need to bring? What's the trust I need to bring? What do I need to trust about you? So when we're talking about breaking through writer's block, what we're really talking about is learning how to trust yourself. But the process of trust is not trusting that you are a writer or you are good or you will sell it. The process of trust is going, I am a person who is curious who does the practice of writing, which is a practice of curiosity, who trusts that if I keep doing the practice, I'm going to write some beautiful things. And some of those things will sell. And some of those things will not. And some of those things will receive accolades and love and wonderful words from other people. And some of those things will not. And some of those things will make you feel like you are a writer and like you're a gifted, talented person. And some of those things will not because those pieces are not under your control. But the process, the process will start to become beautiful because rather than writing in a place of doubt, you're going to be writing in a place of love. Rather than writing from a place of doubt, you're going to be writing from a place of curiosity. Rather than writing from a place of doubt, You are going to be writing from a place of trust. And rather than trying to be a writer, instead of trying to write like Quentin Tarantino or Diablo Cody or whoever your favorite writer is, you're going to be looking at yourself and saying, who are you? I'm so curious. I'm so curious on how you are going to develop. I'm so curious about how you're going to grow. I'm so curious about what your voice sounds like. Instead of going, this is who I am now, or this is who I'm supposed to be, you're going to get curious. You're going to look at your voice and you're going to to go, what is beautiful about that? I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If you are getting a lot out of it and it's helping your writing, come study with us. We have a free class every Thursday night, Thursday Night Writes. We have foundation classes in screenwriting and TV writing. We have a master class for those of you who want a grad school education at the tiniest fraction of the cost. And we have a wonderful mentorship program, ProTrack, that will pair you one-on-one with a professional writer who will read every page you write and mentor you through your entire career at less than you would pay for a single semester of grad school. You could get a lifetime of one-on-one mentorship with someone who's really going to read every single page you write, every single line, every single rewrite. Check us out writeyourscreenplay.com.